1: keeping you from moving forward. Once you complete this free assessment, you'll be able to claim free a copy of Dr. Greer's brand new book, 120 Minutes to Live Big. To get started, visit CanILiveBig.com today. You were made to think big, do big, live big. But tomorrow can be bigger. Let's grow, let the word over from Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for
2: greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. Live Welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. We're glad you decided to join us today. Remember, you can get access to this message and a full library of teaching from Dr. Greer at GraceChurchVA.org. As we dive deep into the word of God, we believe that it changes us and empowers us to think big, do big, and live big. This type of living will not only impact our lives, but will inevitably bless others. So our hope is that this broadcast inspires you to live big. Here's Dr. Greer.
1: You had a wayward child. This wayward child goes off into the world and uh, causes a great deal of grief and pain to himself and to his family. But you also had the wounded son. That was the son that stayed home. He was the outwardly faithful child, but he was spiritually wounded on the inside. And when you read the text and take a close look at it, you actually find the father waited for both of these children, both of these sons. And uh, in this text, uh, you see both of them receiving healing and restoration. Verse 11. Jesus continued, this whole chapter, he's dealing with lost things. And uh, up to this point, he's not really dealt with lost people as much as things. But now he he, he talks about a particular man that had two sons. He was uh, a parent. Both cubs came out of the same den, but they were very, very different. Much like... Uh, those of us children or those of us who are children, uh, hopefully everyone in this room is in either category, unless you're a UFO, and we'll pray for you afterwards. But all of us came here through birth, and uh, through that process, we tend to have family. Verse 12, two different boys, one parent. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. In effect, the young boy said to his father, I wish you were dead. I want your stuff, but I don't want you. How I many you have a teenager? That's some serious stuff. We spent some time on Wednesday talking about parenting. And... Uh, this week I have spent a whole lot of time in personal prayer I have good kids but they're growing kids and they're growing faster than I'm comfortable with and frankly looking at them I want to slow down, slow down but actually they're growing naturally and becoming who they should be in the natural order of things it's just I'm having a hard time adjusting and uh you know, when you get that age, you kind of stick your chest out a little bit and uh, things change. You see, and I had to approach all this in a sanctified manner. <laughs> see, when I was a kid, my brother-in-law was four or five years older than me and it seems like from about eighth grade, he was six foot tall, weighed 200 pounds. And as I got into high school, You know, he was, uh, you know, he was either out or just just the last year in. Every time I walked in the room, he punched me in my chest for no apparent reason. (laughs) And it felt like my chest wrapped around his knuckles. I want to cry, but, I, you know. I was too scared to hit him back. (laughs) It's funny, as, as I get older, my kid walking, I feel like doing the same thing. Sometimes for no apparent reason. But in my sanctified self, I've learned to behave. But I got to be frank with you. This week, I've been worried. Um, You know, the great man of faith and power got feet of legs like clay, like everybody else in this room. And... um, I've always kind of had this dark spot, a fear about how my kids would develop because I wasn't raised in the church. And I was like, well, since I wasn't raised in I don't have this experience and and then I'm gonna mess this thing up. And it was just a hidden fear. But finally this week it really began to surface. And I, you know, you have to pray until you have peace. Do not just pray to do some duty. Pray until there's, there's, there's a knowing that he heard and, and there's, there's a resolution that comes from it. So this week, actually, I was borderline on physical sick, all types of things trying to go on my body, but emotionally, I was just bent out of shape and the Lord was allowing this thing to surface. It's this fear, this apprehensive I had, apprehension I had about my, my children. Finally, though, near the end of the week, the Lord spoke to me. And, you know, God knows my history. So, I don't even know if I can do it with the same inflection that he said this with, but it was almost a level of sarcasm. It was, son, I have kept you. I can keep them. I came into the kingdom at 20, wild and 20. Crazy things in my mind and my thinking. God got a hold of these boys much younger than he got hold of me. Son, if I have kept you, I, I will keep them. He went on to say, times have changed. And I've been talking to other parents about, man, these some crazy times, man. Turn on the TV, just walk down the street. God said, times have changed, but I have not. But he said something else that was a word of wisdom in my moment that I'm sharing with you. He said, son, your, your children know, but now they have to decide. And that may sound so simple, but it was so liberating. You see, my kids know what's right. They know what to do. But it's one thing to know the scripture says, love your brother, your mother, your father, your neighbor. It's another thing to do it. And my kids, they're at a place now where they need to translate knowledge into decision. And you watch them. And you want to make decisions for them. But the reality is, ultimately, they're their their own people now. They're getting older. They have to make the decisions. And I I began to understand the season, particularly in my oldest son's life, who's paying particular attention as I minister this morning. (laughs) He knows, but he must decide. You've done your job if your kids know. Leave the decision in the hands of God. And it's funny, after really fretting and being nervous and upset about this all week, finally when God spoke to me, peace came. I know that God got my kids. I know that, again, if he can get me, he can get them. And it's not about, me being a great parent as much as God being a great God. Amen. So that, you know, I'm going to do the best I can to be a good parent. But that took so much pressure off. See, his joke is easy as burden is light. I was getting way down. Oh, God, what about the mistakes I might be making? I, I have made. Oh, gosh, and the weight of it. It's a, it's a heavy responsibility to be a parent. But he took it off. Same boy, just like I kept you. I, I. You know, I am, you know, the great God will keep your boys. So for me, that was liberating. And uh, out of this time kind of comes this parable to kind of wrap things up and put a nice bow on the package. Well, there's a man with two sons, but then the baby of the family. I was talking to one, one of our youth leaders. He's in, and you know I was you know he was he was sharing with me and forgive me I can't quote him properly, but he was like you see you, you're dealing with your your oldest son And again I'm, I'm paraphrasing but no 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 it's the younger son you got watch out because the younger son got game because he's watched the older boy right that was good that's right he knows exactly what to say what not he's watched so he knows how to play it. So I'm in for a double whammy here. But the younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of this thing. Again, I wish you were dead. I I don't want you anymore. I want what you have. So the father does something that most of us would think was bad parenting. So he divided his property between them. Sometimes God will answer your request or your prayer to teach you a lesson. One of the worst things that can happen is to get what you want before you're ready. If your child would have said, I wish you were dead. I want your stuff, not you. Give me the car keys. I don't have time for you. Most of us would put the kid on lockdown, perhaps give him a beat down. All types of approaches we might take. At least a lecture. But not this father. He said, boy, I'm gonna give you exactly what you want. You know, I've taught you, I've talked to you. Now you're going to have to learn from yourself. And you know, sometimes if you don't learn by others' example, you have to learn by your own experience. And the tough piece in parenting is backing up, saying, I told you, but now you're going to have to learn. And you know, daddy loves you. If it gets too bad, I might step in there. But boy, if you get put in jail, I'm going to let you stay in there all night. I'm not rushing to the police station, particularly this is time number two. I want you to smell the place. I want you to feel the place. So you understand what you're messing with, what you're playing with. You understand parenting is not for weak people. It is the greatest leadership test of your life. Not long after that, and this lets you know what was in the kid's mind from the very start. The younger son got together all he had. Again, the child's plan all the time. And this is the child. Sometimes you got to give your kids space and give them what they're asking for, even though, you know, it would hurt them. See, I'm concerned about my preaching because some people, Paul said, you know, the weak and, and unstable, they twist what I say and use it for their own hurt. So please listen with God's ears. Even last Sunday was, for some, it was a difficult message, because you're not listening with your heart. Last Sunday I wasn't teaching that Jesus died to give us stuff. I was teaching that God wants to redeem the spirit of man, that the heart of man, the, the person, and with the person comes the world. Listen, Jesus came to redeem all of creation. Humans? But also lions, tigers, and bears, the, the lamb will lay down with the lion. Yes. There come a time if a, hands, if a boy sticks his hand in an adder's nest, the Bible says he won't bite. Yes. There's coming a time where there won't be earthquakes. Yes. There won't be famines. Mm-hmm. God came to redeem man and creation. Yes. Let's stop departmentalizing redemption. It's complete and absolute. Yes. And please let me preach the word of God as I ought. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had set off. I'm out of here for a distant country. How many of you find yourself in a faraway place right now? Far away from God. Now, I'm talking about young people, but still 40, 50. Sometimes we find ourselves wandering in far off distant places, wondering, how did I get here? And there squandered his wealth. His blessing, his youth, his inheritance in wild, loose, undisciplined, and wasted living. It's a bad picture. You think daddy would step in and say, child, I love you. I'm coming to get you. Sometimes you have to let people hit bottom, depending on the personality of the child and the person. You don't do that to a five-year-old. You don't do that to a six-year-old. But to that child that that might be 16, 17, 18, maybe not even 16, when they get older and they learn and they heard enough times, now it's not about what they know or don't know as much as what they've decided. And you cannot argue with a made-up mind. So sometimes you have to let life do what you couldn't do. And say, child, I love you when you come back. I love you when you come to yourself. I mean, I love you in heart even now. But I love you too much to help you. Good parenting is tough stuff. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. You got to count your blessings. (laughs) Right? You don't know. I mean, there's no book that says at 13 you do this. At 12 years, each child's different. Each child has a different bent. One child, you might have to uh, paddle the backside just a little bit. Another child, you may not even touch at all. They're very little. Some kids, you just say, oh, God, they start weeping and repenting. Other kids, if you beat them with a brick and a stick, they'd be like, it just depends on the child. It does. So daddy doesn't come and get them. Sometimes only after, after the child goes through, after the little girl has the abortion, she said, oh, that was real. Don't put them out to church. Don't put them out your house. Sometimes they don't learn to after. Or after she has that first baby at 17. After your little boy has to now uh, take on a part-time job to support that child that that other girl had. Sometimes they only understand after. I want, I'd love for them to get it before. I mean, I, But you know, God looks at me and said, boy, I wish you would have got some of that before. So you be careful judging them kids too harshly. After he has spent everything. Mm-hmm, when, they, when they come to the end of themselves. And they just like you sometimes. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Where are your friends now, child? Where are all your running buddies, all them partners there? You were following their counsel versus mine. Where are they now? It gets so bad, he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now, this you know, seems kind of bad to us, but it seems worse to a Jewish person. Pigs were unclean animals, as you all know. You were not only not supposed to eat them, you were not supposed to touch them. Now you have a guy that's actually feeding them. So this guy, now the way it's assaulting the senses of the Jewish listener. First of all, this daddy's irresponsible to give his kids such an inheritance. But guess what? God, Father God is equally as irresponsible to give you all those blessings, to give you sight, to give you hearing, to give you use of your limbs. To give you one sane day uh, a moment to think a thought. He gave you all those gifts, knowing what you would do with them. But he gave them many. Anyway. But the Jewish mind was like, that's a terrible father. But God's trying to reveal a picture of God. And then the boy, I he, mean, he, he's obviously he's rejected daddy's religion. He's 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 in an unclean, an unclean nation. That's he, just a mess. Verse 16 goes on. It says he longed to fill his stomach with the positive pig. He was hungry. And sometimes you got to let your kids suffer long enough to get hungry. You got to let them go through long enough to get thirsty. Because all the preaching, all the teaching, all the yelling, all the screaming is not enough. Sometimes it's not until deep begins to call to deep and it makes no sense. That void inside them that's been crying out until that gets loud enough. Sometimes you need to stop buying them stuff. They need to hear that hunger on the inside. He said, well, my kids aren't happy because they want another game. No, 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 no. Maybe they need a day in silence. They hear what their heart's been saying to them all the time. Am I saying don't buy games? No, you hear what I'm saying, right? I don't have to re-preach on every point. We're wise people, grown folk. You understand what I'm teaching today? He said he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that pigs were eating. but No one gave him anything. Again, all those friends said, you know, oh, I'm in love with, with, uh, Slick Rick here, and Slick Rick, he loved me, and I love Ricky, and we just in love, mom and dad, we just in love. Where Ricky now? No, where Ricky now? It's a cruel world out there. Sometimes your kids need to learn that. He say, "Well, I taught him, baby. Maybe you did, but they're in a, uh, 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 the valley of decisions. They're in a season of decision, where they have to make choices." Verse seventeen. When he came to his senses, we all have moments of temporary insanity. Sin is really temporary insanity. Every time I sin, I've lost my mind for a moment. I've lost my better and higher judgment. But because of the circumstances and the hunger in his heart and the fact that he remembered a loving father, he was able to come to himself. Your kids may be crazy. And listen, my kids, they're not there yet. I'm not preaching bad about my children. But your kids may be crazy, but my prayer is that they have a memory of your house. Yes. That they have a memory of your love. Yes. That, that, that when they have a coming to themselves, yes. that, 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 that there's a homesickness. Yes. There's a longing for that which you developed in their lives for so many years when, when they were young. And that coming home means coming back to you, but also coming back to your God. Yes. He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? Again, homesickness. See, you, some of your kids don't have that yet. Because they haven't gone far enough like that. Don't fight with them. I mean, use wisdom. Sometimes you gotta let them go. And after a while, though, train a child in the way they should go. But when they're old, they're not depart. part. There's a homing device in all children. That'll make them want to come back home. How many of my father's Man have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. So, you know, Daddy was right, he says. Daddy was right. But he also understood something about Daddy. Daddy's righteousness did not supersede his love. That's important. I can be right all day long, but child, I love you. I don't care how right I was and how wrong you are. I love you. That has to be the heart of the waiting father. You'll go through your times of wondering. you go through your times of being that wounded brother in the church. And we'll get to him in a moment. But you want to mature to the place to be that waiting father. That father that keeps his heart soft. That loves the child in spite of the child. And is always there with warmth and love. Yeah, a little bit of discipline, sometimes some correction. But sometimes you don't have to say nothing because they know. And you just, sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? We went all mature again to the place of being the waiting father. And he says, I will set out and go back to my father. The first time I read this passage some years ago, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, son, the distance you run from me is the distance you're going to have to cover to get back to me. So you pay attention to what you do. So you go off into that far t- country, little one. Remember, you are going to traverse that same ground. To get back. And the further you go, the more it's going to take to get back. So keep that in mind. Now, he'll love you and receive you when you get home. Keep that in mind. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, he's rehearsing this thing. I've sinned against heaven and against you. This guy's repentant He's saying, man, I've sinned against, against God.
2: You are listening to the Live Big broadcast with Dr. Derek Greer. We pray that you were inspired to think big, do big, and live big. Our goal is to compel you to live in a way that overflows and blesses those around you. Find out more about this broadcast, Grace Church, and Dr. Greer at gracechurchva.org. Dr. Greer and his wife, Pastor Yermutu, invite you to meet them at Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia for vibrant worship, Bible teaching, and fellowship each Sunday and Wednesday. Click gracechurchva.org for service times, directions, and much more. Again, that's gracechurchva.org. This has been Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. Watch the Live Big broadcast Monday through Friday and every Sunday. Check your local TV listings or visit gracechurchva.org for the broadcast schedule. That's all the time we have, but until next time, remember you have what it takes in Christ to live big.
3: life of influence isn't achieved overnight. It's it's built through consistent application of wisdom and hard work. In my brand new book, 120 Minutes to Live Big, I provide you with 120 bite-sized nuggets of insights on practical topics such as marriage and finances, as well as wisdom for personal growth and leadership development. Then I ask you some very penetrating questions that help you reflect and apply what you've learned. This book will stimulate self-examination, provide fuel for personal transformation. The best thing about it is I'm offering this book to you absolutely free. That's right. A free copy of 120 Minutes to Live Big, mailed to you as a gift. I'll also give you 30-day access to my Growth Lab, a program designed to help you grow from good to great, mediocre to extraordinary, from small to to be. It's my prayer that this gift leaves you with a burning desire to be better and become everything that God wants you to be. So if you want to live a life that overflows and blesses others, this gift is just for you. Claim your free book and and get uh, your free 30-day access to my growth lab. To do that, all you have to do is visit dgmfree.com. That's dgmfree.com.